Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. I want to tell on myself a little bit. I know Pastor Joe does that a lot. He's got way worse stories. I was never as bad as he was. No, I'm just kidding. I won't let you know that. But um, I have found out about myself that sometimes I can put up with things a long time before I'm ready for change. I don't know if you can identify with that, but give an example. When I was in high school, I dislocated my left shoulder diving for a basketball as a senior. And uh, I was painful. Sat out for an hour and a half before the ER guys popped it back in. They said, if you ever do it again, we'll probably put pins in. Well, it happened again a year later at a pickup game at my high school gym. There we go again. You think I would learn, but going up for a rebound, a guy yanked my, my shoulder out. Went back and the guy goes, hey, uh, since you're a repeat customer, I'm gonna show you how to do this yourself. <laughs> And so he's like, just lean over and pull it. So I learned to do that. I popped it multiple times. Probably the worst one uh, was my father-in-law. He was, I was water skiing behind him in a boat. I'm still not sure if he did that on purpose or if it was just my fault. But I remember like hitting the wake wrong. And next thing I know, that shoulder is out. And I'm in the water now. I've never put my shoulder back in the water. You're like floating and you're in pain. And you're like, how am I going to climb up that ladder with one arm? And Ryan was there and I'm like, Ryan, help me. So he dives in and he's, you know, looking at me and he's like, I'm like, okay, I'm going to lean forward and you pull my arm down. Next thing I know, I'm like being drowned in the water. Like, let me up, dude, don't kill me. So I'm like, Lord, you got to help me. You never prayed that way. Oh Lord, you got to help me. And I just have this idea. Okay. I'm going to lay back on the water. I'm going to put my foot in your chest, Ryan. You are going to grab hold of my arm and you're going to pull until it pops in. And the scary thought was when I looked at Ryan's face, he was like, adrenaline. I'm like, okay, now Ryan, the goal is not to pull my arm off my body. Just pull it. Uh, okay, dad. It's like, no, no, dude, just pull it till it pops in. And anyways, we got it back in. So lo and behold, uh, a few years ago, uh, my mom was struggling, you know, physically and I'd get out from Ohio to California every once in a while just to see her and be with her. And, um, so I went down and worked out at the gym and maybe an hour long workout and I'm doing all these pull-ups and chin-ups and I'm like kind of tired, but they had monkey bars and I thought, man, I haven't done that since I was a kid. That looks kind of cool, you know? And when your wife's not there to stop you from stupid things, you just do them. And so cool was until I got halfway through the monkey bars and about there I got exhausted and all of a sudden I felt that arm just go out, right? And I, dry, I let go. When I hit the ground, it just popped back in. But... I noticed like several months later, I couldn't lift my grandbaby, Desi, above my head without a whole lot of pain. I had torn my labrum. And you know what? That was the tipping point for me. I said, hey, I can tolerate dislocated shoulders and live with the discomfort of that and all that, but I will not compromise my relationship with my granddaughter. It is time to do something about this shoulder. And I did something about this shoulder. And you know, I don't know if you can relate to that, but sometimes it takes us a while to get to change. I remember when I was uh, pastoring here, a group of us went to um, uh, a session that my wife's then boss was teaching, and it was about counseling. And so a lot of pastors from BC came with us that day and were listening to him. And he had run an addiction center, and uh, he told us a story. He, he said, you're all professionals. How many of you have at least one thing that you want to change for six months? And we all put our hands up, everyone. He said, keep it up if you want to change it for more than a year. Well, he went to about year 20 and then stopped. 
And he said, sometimes we put up with things a long time. So I want to tell you a story. He said, we had an old guy roll in here with an oxygen tank, COPD, been a chain smoker forever. And they're like, what, what can we do for you, sir? And he said, well, he said, I want to stop smoking. And they said, you want to stop smoking? He said, yeah. Just like first time, no, my wife, my wife, my kids, my family's been telling me to stop smoking for 30 years, you know. And you haven't listened? Nope. Well, why are you here now then? He said, well, I was reading an article yesterday and I saw that smoke, secondhand smoke, was detrimental to the health of your pets. And I don't want my dog to get sick. So I want to stop smoking now. And the moral of that story is sometimes you just got to find your dog to be ready to change, you know? And so I found my dog in Desi, even though she's gorgeous and beautiful, my little princess, but you know what I mean? She was my motivation. But I do know this, that a lot of times we can put up with things until we come to that place of desperation. And you know, sometimes we view desperation as an enemy. I no longer view it as an enemy. I think it's an ally in the kingdom. Because desperation will push you into places in the kingdom you would never get without it. Desperate times call for desperate. We will do things we wouldn't normally do. We will pray like we don't normally pray. We will fast like we don't normally fast. We will do things to go after God like we don't normally do. Desperate times caused the prophet Samuel to be born. Hannah was barren. And desperation caused her to weep and pour out her soul at the altar. The, the prophet thought she was drunk or the priest thought she was drunk and God gave her a son. Desperation put her in that place. And she had five other children, by the way. So I don't know if you're here today, if you're one of those people that feels desperate, I believe this word is for you today. But you might personally be doing great, but you might also have someone that you love very much. And because they're in pain, you are in pain. You're in pain. Their pain is touching you. You're owning it because you love them that much. And this is for you too. And so, you know, I love, uh, Michelle led us yesterday in that song. And one of the lines said, heaven invade. Did you know the Lord's prayer is a spiritual warfare prayer? Think about it, Lord, I want what is happening in heaven and I want what you want that's happening in heaven to happen here on Shenley Avenue, on Parkman Road or wherever you live, in Boardman, wherever you live, New Middletown, whatever. I want your will to be done in my life, in my family, in my church, in my government, in my school system, in all. You're praying what? For heaven to invade earth. Well, think about it. You're praying for a kingdom to come. Well, that's rulership. What are you praying? You're praying that one kingdom will displace another kingdom. That's a fight. You just asked for a fight. And listen, if you don't know it, you're on the winning team. The Bible says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And the Bible also says that if God is for us, who could be against us? Can you show me a giant that is bigger than your God today? If you can, I want to sit down and do a coaching session with you and have you read the Gospels because your God's not big enough yet. 
There is nothing greater than our God. I was just, just this funny story came out. Ryan and I were over here at your, your chapel and I haven't told this story in years, but it just reminded me if God is for you, you can be against you. I remember when I was like 20, I think I was 22 or 23 and uh, I was helping my, my brother plant a church in Southern California and I was the worship leader um, and it was like a two-man band kind of thing, you know, a startup. And um, I remember I was in a hurry that day because, you know, my wife and I and my, my one-year-old baby are on our way to church and I'm flying in my little truck. You know, I'm, I'm in a truck. I'm kind of speeding. I'm not alive speeding, which I like to do anyways. But anyway, so I'm speeding and uh, I cut in front of a guy and it, it, wasn't, it wasn't very nice. I shouldn't have done it. I shouldn't have. But most people would just honk or yell at you and then they just go on with their day. Well, this guy like turns around and comes back in the parking lot and follows me. I'm like, oh man, it's on now. <laughs> I'm looking in the mirror. I'm like, I got my wife and my baby here and I got some crazy guy pulling up who looks like he's means business because like who follows someone? I don't follow people. And um, he, he pulls up, you know, and all of a sudden it's like, I don't know what happened, like, all my Christian education at Bible school and all my training went out the window and suddenly I was like Graham from the streets. And I just like, with a tie, I just like puffed out, you know, I was a little better shape back then. I like puffed out. I was like, and I just said, what's up? You know, kind of like just instinctually, what's up? You know, and the guy's like screaming at me, screaming at me, you know? Well, I have two brothers. I have a younger brother and an older brother. My little brother's 6'2 and big. And my other brother's my height, but he's double wide Graham. He looks like I, my, my family heritage is we're born in Northern Ireland. I was born in Northern Ireland, but we're Scotch-Irish. So we have a lot of Scottish blood in us. So that's where the, a lot of Vikings came to. My brothers look like Vikings. And my brother was big in those days. He was squatting about, I'm guessing, 450, 500 pounds because I used to work out with him at times. He was a power lifter. He was a martial artist. And he actually was just kind of an aggressive guy. He liked to fight. I'm not going to lie. He did. And he was our pastor. So... <laughs> And all I know was like, you know, I, I've been in a few fights in my life. And I know this, I never judge a book by its cover because somebody could look like nothing and they could be the best fighter you ever met in your life and take you apart. And they look like nothing. They take you apart. And sometimes somebody looks big and intimidating and they're nothing. You know, I don't know. I don't know what this guy's going to do. I mean, I could end up on the ground, you know, getting beat up pretty good. I don't know. Or I might beat him up. I don't know. I don't want to beat him up, but I might. And all of a sudden out of the corner of my eye, I see a van pull in the parking lot and that van pulls up and that's my brother's van. Not my little brother, my big brother who actually likes to fight and who trains to fight. And he sees me and this guy and his old instincts must've kicked in too because he, he threw down whatever he had. He ran, he jumped over the wall and he's like, hey, that guy saw my brother, not me. He wasn't intimidated by me. He saw my brother, man. He backed his car out. <laughs> he got out of there, man. Listen, do you know who's fighting for you today? God of heaven is fighting for you. Jesus Christ, who in Colossians 2 has already defeated and publicly shamed your enemy. This battle is over and won. But just like World War II, when, they, when, the, when the troops declared victory, they still had pockets of resistance they had to clean up. You and I still encounter pockets of resistance of a diminishing kingdom. The kingdom of Satan is diminishing and God's kingdom is growing and getting bigger. His body is getting bigger. God is always on the move and he's in your corner. He's for you today. 
So he's the God of breakthrough. So here's my big thought for today. I think you're gonna love the creativity that I put into this. Nothing is impossible with God. Pretty creative, huh? I should give Jesus credit for that. But anyways, that's my big thought. Um, 1 Corinthians 4.20 says this. God's kingdom isn't just a lot of words. It's power. Hey guys, you 72 missionaries, I'm sending you on a training mission. You're gonna go to 36 villages and I'm gonna go to those villages too, but you're gonna be my front man. You're gonna go ahead of me. When you go there, find a person of peace. Oh, by the way, heal the sick in that village. And when they say what's going on, tell them the kingdom's come. Oh, you mean when the kingdom shows up in power, sick people get healed? Oh yeah. People get delivered. People get set free. So the kingdom that we serve in is a kingdom of power. So nothing's impossible. So I want to go to where this word breakthrough comes from. So if you are a person who likes to follow along in the Bible, turn to 2 Samuel chapter 5. If not, you can read it behind me. But in 2 Samuel, we find David, who's been the king of Israel for seven years, or king of Judah. He's reigned over one tribe for seven years. They recognize as a young boy, maybe somewhere between 13, 14, or 15, we think, he was anointed to be the king of Israel. And now they're saying, now's the time for you to do that. So as a coronation gift, the Philistines declare war against David. And so David says this in verse 17. Now, when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines went up to search for David. And David heard of it and went down to the stronghold. And the Philistines also went and deployed themselves in the valley of Rephaim. So David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? Now, I love that about David. He's not presumptuous. He doesn't say, man, do you know how many Philistines I've taken out of my lifetime? Let me just go handle this business. He doesn't do that. He goes, Lord, is this a battle you want me to fight? And if you want me to fight it, are you going to give it to me? You're going to give it? And God says, yes and yes. And so he says, go up. I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into your hands. So David went to Baal Perazim and David defeated them there. And he said, the Lord has broken through my enemies before me like a breakthrough of water. Therefore, he called the name of that place Baal Perazim. Now, I love David because he's a poet, a prophet, a psalmist, a warrior, a king, he's all these things. And if I was describing the battle, I would have just said, man, it was awesome, we destroyed him. But he writes it in descriptive words and he actually is inspired by the Holy Spirit to put a brand new name. Did you know there are over 300 names of God in the Bible? He puts a brand new name out there for God, which reveals who God is, his character, what he's like. And he calls him the God of Baal Perazim, which just means the God of breakthrough. Listen to the message translation. God exploded on my enemies like a gush of water, the master who explodes. Second Samuel 5.20, again, another translation says, he burst through my enemies like a raging flood, which means the Lord who bursts through. So God doesn't just win in points. If it's a boxing match, he doesn't outpoint our enemy. He overwhelms our enemy. And I'm trying to think of this, like how can I relate to the God who breaks through? The closest I can come to it is be, you know, being uh, in the waves of Southern California and body surfing, and picking the wrong wave and having it pile drive me shoulder first into the sand, then spin me around left, right up. And I don't know where up is from down. I'm overwhelmed. That water is so powerful. It's just crushing me. This is what God is like. When he shows up, he breaks through. He is the God of breakthrough. And that's who he wants to be in our lives, my life, your life. He wants to break through for you. Do you realize that every time Jesus healed somebody, the woman with the issue of blood who walked around for 12 years and could not find help, in the moment she touched Jesus, there was breakthrough. 
the guy who was carried by his friends and lowered through a roof, paralyzed. Jesus forgives his sins first, but doesn't stop there and says, hey, to all you skeptics who think that anyone can say that, let me show you this kingdom is in power. He says, take up your bed and carry it home yourself. Your friends get a break today. You deserve a break today. (laughs) So, you know, when he shows up, power is always present. I've been talking about this book. Somebody has asked me about it, but if you are somebody, because I have friends that come from cessationist backgrounds where they don't believe in this, challenge you to read a book called Miracles Today by Charles S. Keener, a professor at Asbury Seminary, who as an academic researches and chronicles miracle after miracle all over the world. And he will only report on miracles that are medically verified. He doesn't use big name ministries either for the most part. He will just use regular Sally and Joe Smith stories. He tells incredible stories in there. One of them is about a Chinese farmer who has a friend that is atheist or agnostic, which would be common in China. But he hears that this farmer prays for sick people and he's desperate, he wants to be healed. So he says, would you pray for me? By the time the guy gets to the hospital, he's dead. And so he asked the guy down in the morgue there, he goes, can I pray for him? He goes, well, nobody's ever asked for that before. He goes, well, I gave him my word. I told him I would. I feel like I should keep my word. So he pulls the drawer open and he prays for him and nothing happens. Now, this is me. If that was me and I prayed, nothing happened. I'm home. Okay, well, Lord, I did it. He says, can I come back tomorrow? The guy says, sure, you can come back. The guy thought it was pretty entertaining that he had this ignorant farmer who wanted to pray for a dead body. It was kind of entertaining. So he invited some of his buddies on their smoke breaks to like peer through the window and watch this guy. For entertainment, they kind of just sat in the hallway and laughed while this guy prayed for a dead man and nothing happened. He said, may I come back one more time? He said, sure. This time the hallway is packed with people because the entertainment is on. You have this farmer praying for a dead body for the third time. He's a lunatic, right? He prays, nothing happens. He's got a two-hour journey home. By the time he gets home, news has traveled ahead of him. Hey, by the way, half hour after you left the hospital, that dead Chinese dude just sat up. Now, he has eight chapters just on people being raised from the dead. One of them is just dedicated to North America where you and I live. Because we go, oh, that only happens. No, no, it happens here. Sometimes people don't tell you what's happened because they think you think they'll, that they're crazy if they tell you the story. But it happens all around us. Now, just this weekend, we had... God show up in some prophetic words, some gifts of the Spirit, some healing, some words of knowledge and so on. And uh, at the very end of Friday night, I was just sharing how I'd learned to like understand or perceive words of knowledge. And I was sharing about, you know, how that led to, you know, healings and so on. And I mentioned some, someone's neck pain and how they were healed. And then I said, I think God may want to touch someone with neck pain, right? So I prayed for several people and I think they were improved or helped. But someone came to me after service yesterday and said, hey, Friday night, when you said that about the neck, and if that's you, she said, I knew it was me right away. And she said, I just received. And she said, I felt like this warm feeling of like honey being poured down my neck. And then the feeling in my hand that was kind of like, I couldn't completely feel my fingers. The feeling completely came back into it. You know, nobody prayed for her. What happened? The God of breakthrough showed up here. Yeah, in your church. And he'll show up in your neighborhood and he'll show up anywhere you go because he's with you. All right. So how do we 
get to that place of breakthrough when we need it. If we're desperate for ourselves or someone else, how do we get there? Well, I do not like to give out formulas. I don't believe in silver bullets. The Lone Ranger had one, but he was just a fictional character, okay? So I would say we don't have a formulaic relationship, but we have a relationship. And here's one thing that I would say is always right. Listening to the Holy Spirit and obeying him will always send you in the right direction. Another thing that's always right is to trust Jesus. But the problem is trusting Jesus or having faith can sound mysterious, right? Like, oh, what is faith? You ever just talk to people and say, hey, what's faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I'm like, that's scripturally correct. What is it? Well, it's, uh, you know, it's, can we just say that faith is not complex? It's simple, right? And I want to read a quote from Dallas Willard, who was a brilliant philosopher at USC and also a brilliant theologian. And he had a way of boiling things down in the kingdom and making it easy to understand. I love his works. But listen to what he said about faith. And I hope this will give you a little insight as to maybe how simple faith is and not, and take away some of the mystery of it. It says here, a deeper understanding of faith can help you gain a greater peace and confidence about your own faith and how you are growing in it. Faith, however, is not a mystery. We experience it every day of our lives. In its most basic aspect, faith is simply reliance upon something in both attitude and action. It may not involve reliance upon God. There is a family of words in the New Testament that are variously translated as belief, faith, and hope. And what they all have in common is this idea of reliance, confidence, and trust. It is trust that puts you in contact with God so you can draw upon his unlimited and inexhaustible resources. What if I was to tell you that you have already exercised faith today? Would that surprise you? How many of you got in a car and drove here today? That's faith. Did you stop every like block and go, is my, my engine still running? Or Now I've been in a car like that once or twice in my life, but most of us got in a car, turned it on. What did we do? We had faith. It would get us there, right? You have a coworker that you've known long enough. If they said, hey, uh, John, um, I'm going to come pick you up at seven o'clock tonight. What do you do? John said he's coming at seven tonight. You know what I do? I get my clothes on. I get my jacket on. I get ready. I stand by the door. I wait for John to pull up my driveway because I know. Faith is simply acting on God's word. It's simply following and obeying the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's not complex. Can I show you faith in operation from the Bible? Listen, Luke 5, great story. Jesus, it, we'll, we'll bypass some of the verses here. Guy, Jesus is just preaching. He uses Simon's boat, Peter uses his boat. And then he tells Peter, um, when he's finished speaking in verse four, he says, row out farther into the deep water and drop your nets for a catch. And Simon replied, master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing. Come on. I want to go home and sleep. But because you say so. Now he hadn't walked with him for three years yet. He'd only barely known him. But he also listened to him preach. And he said, man, there's something powerful. Who is this man? And I'm going to obey his words. He said, but because you say so, I'll drop the nets. So they dropped their nets and their catch was so huge that their nets were splitting. They signaled for their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they filled both boats so full that they were about to sink. Like guys, does faith seem complex? Peter, row a boat out a little bit deeper into the water, drop a net over it. That's faith. That's faith. You and I 
can grow and develop our faith in God because every time we step out on his words like Peter did, he shows up. And so, again, it's not magic, but it's trust. Now, I'm telling you to trust God today for your breakthrough. But I can also tell you that life is sometimes messy and sometimes life doesn't make sense. And if you live long enough, you'll get there. And don't get caught in the hamster wheel of why God, because that never stops. Some things you just don't know. But look at what John 13, seven says. By the way, Jalen Hurts just quoted this verse. I read it in ESPN. He said, I went through tough times in college and this became my favorite verse. And I went through tough times in Philly because they didn't want me there. And now they love me there. And he said, but John 13, seven says, hey, you don't understand what I'm doing now, but you will understand it later. Is there anybody in this room that can identify with what I just said? You didn't get it at the time, but now what you look back, what happens? You're just like Joseph. When you look back at your life and you say, God, surely there had to be a pathway to the palace with a lot less suffering and trauma and pain. Surely you've got a better way. But then when all the dots were connected, 20 years after he was sold off as a slave, he said, God, I see it now. I have connected the dots. This jigsaw puzzle has finally come together and now I see it. Genesis 50, 20. Don't you see you planned evil against me, but God used those same plans for good as you see all around you right now, life for many people. Life doesn't always make sense, but that's what we have to trust. Romans 8, 28 says this in the Passion Translation. So we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together for good, for we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his designed purpose. I love that. God works all things, takes everything that happens, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and he makes it serve his purpose. Corey Ten Boone, um, have most of you heard of her? How many of you heard of Corey Ten Boone? Just give me a, so about half of you have. If you don't know who she is, there's a book called The Hiding Place. Her family, I believe, lived in Holland. And when the Nazis invaded, they were Christians and believed it was their God-given duty to protect the Jews. So they hid Jews and smuggled them out of the nation at their own peril. Well, eventually they got caught. And their reward was, is you get to live with the Jews in the concentration camps. So everyone in her family, herself included, got thrown into a concentration camp. All her family died in the concentration camp. And God did a lot of miracles there too. Now, I wanna read a quote from her. She's got a right to say some things I don't think I do, but she would often do something as an illustration. She'd sit with a group of people and she would work on a needlepoint. Just work on the needlepoint. And then when she was done talking, she would stop. And this is what she would do. She would say, this is how we see our lives. And if you look behind me there, that's a needlepoint. That's the backside of a needlepoint. She said, this is how we see our lives. But then she'd turn it over and she'd reveal the design and saying, this is how God views your life. And someday we will have the privilege of viewing it from his point of view either now or someday when we're face-to-face. And I apologize that I had to use a Mountain Dew. 
needlepoint because that's all I could find online, man, Mountain Dew. But I'm telling you about the God of breakthrough, but here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that life won't have tough moments. I'm not saying that you won't experience pain, that you won't experience grief or trauma or suffering. I'm not saying that. You will. Jesus said, in this world, you have tribulation. He already prophesied it over you. But out of it, God is building something beautiful. I don't know how he does it. I don't know how he takes those crazy details and says, this is gonna serve my will and my purpose in your life. Because I called you. I've got my eyes on you. So today, here's how we're gonna land this plane. If you're here this morning and you are in need of a breakthrough, you know what? God is here today. God, a breakthrough is here. And I want you to know that he loves you. He loves you and passionately. Nothing you can do to earn that love, work for it. I think the, the band said that last night. But you, you might be looking for a breakthrough for somebody that you love as well. Maybe it's not for you. Maybe it's for a grandchild or a child or a brother or sister. It could be, could be anyone. What I'm gonna do in just a moment is I'm gonna just allow us to just take a God moment and just breathe for just a moment, whether you're here in Boardman, TCI, online. We're gonna take a God moment and just breathe for just a moment. And what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna say, come Holy Spirit. And you might say, well, I brought the Holy Spirit with me and you are theologically 100% correct. He came with you today. If you know Jesus, Holy Spirit lives in you. But you know, in Revelation 3.20, Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and fellowship with you. I believe that even though he's with us, he still wants to be welcomed and invited. So I'm gonna welcome the Holy Spirit to come because I've read the gospels and I've read what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit and what his ministry to you and I as disciples is. So therefore I have confidence in the ability of the Holy Spirit to speak to you. If you have ears to hear, what does it say in Revelation? You know, to the seven churches, let, let those who have ears hear what the Spirit is saying, what the Spirit is saying, what the Spirit is saying to the church. He's gonna talk to you. And I believe what God showed me is as I pray, he's gonna begin to hand out keys to you. It might come in the form of a Daniel key, like, you know, oh, I should fast and pray until I get an answer. Not food, just desserts and whatever. Or I need to take this action and forgive this person. Or I need, you know, I don't know what he's gonna say. It could be a thought, it could be a promise, it could be a word, it could be a vision. But here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. If God speaks to you, I'm gonna ask you to do something with it. Don't just hear it, but obey it. You found your dog, your dog's here, it's your time. Obey it. Make a commitment between you and me. I'm not gonna come check on your door, but hey, in the next 72 hours, Graham, the next 72 hours, I'm gonna do something with what I hear today. And if you're a person who likes to journal, you know, with the pen and paper, do it that way. If you're a phone person, type it in, but make a commitment to yourself. Whatever God reveals to me, I'm gonna step out of the boat and I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna take that risk. I'm gonna obey. And I believe that God in the moment we pray, he's gonna come. We're gonna take a little breath. He's gonna come and he's gonna to begin to reveal things to you. Those are keys, the keys of the kingdom. And remember this, little keys open big doors. So I believe God wants to put some keys in your hand today. So can we do that right now? Can we just get into that posture of prayer for just one moment? Close our eyes. 
and I'm gonna welcome him, but you can too. Just come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Oh, my God. You know, there were times that Jesus was moved with compassion. The moment I said, come, Holy Spirit, I felt such an overwhelming compassion, man. I just had to hold the tears back. The Lord has moved with compassion today in this place. He was moved with compassion and he stopped a funeral and raised a widow's son from the dead. He's moved with compassion towards you and me. We don't serve a high priest that is unaffected by what we feel, our pain, our emotions, our trauma, our brokenheartedness. He is affected by our physical battles and challenges, challenges with, he's, he, he is moved with compassion in this place today. So come Holy Spirit, speak. These are your people, speak to them. And I just want to pray right now. I don't know if it's somebody online or somebody here. And, and I know there was somebody here yesterday that we prayed for, but somebody that's maybe battling with a brain tumor. You could be here in this meeting. You could be in Boardman. You could be online. I don't know. I just sense that there is somebody battling with that. And right now, I just release, Lord, Psalm 107.20 says about Israel, you sent your word and healed them. I pray, oh God, stretch out your hand. Send your word and heal that person with that tumor right now. Let them know it's you. I, I sense God's power all over me as I'm saying that right now, which I haven't all morning. I'm sensing it right now. I, whoever you are, I believe God is touching you right now. And for the rest of you here, whatever God spoke to you, are you willing to be that person that says amen to his yes? Are you willing to say amen and do what he showed you to do? I bless you. I bless you. And if you're here today, we just want to do one more thing. I was thinking about my own life. I don't often reflect on this, but I was the other day because um, I was at a summit and we went through this communion experience, which took us through stations and it asked us to write out our story. Where did you come from? And I had to, go back to my story and I remembered me as an 18 year old who was far, far from God, didn't want anything to do with God or church or any church people to speak of, raised in a church and hated it. But I was sitting in a drive-in theater smoking, you know, dope and drinking beer with my friends, watching a movie and I heard a voice and I didn't come from a charismatic church. We didn't hear voices in that church. And I heard a voice and that voice whispered to me. And I can still remember what it said all these years later. You thought you had to be perfect before you came to me. But if you come to me, then you'll change. Don't ask me how I know, because I was a sinner lost in darkness, but I knew that was Jesus speaking to me and telling me to come. And I knew you see, I, I thought because I was in a holiness church, I'd been raised to believe like this. You don't show up in church unless you have your act together. But how many know you and I 
we'll never have our act together enough on our own. Because if we can have our act together, then Jesus died in vain. He didn't even need to die because I can do it without him. But you and me, we're, we're, we're people who are, man, sin. Sin is part of our life, right? That's what we do. That's what we know. But then we encounter the Savior who wants to give us new life. And he doesn't just, listen, what I'm talking about today isn't just you praying a prayer so that someday when you die, you'll go to heaven. I think that's wonderful. I want that to be the case. But you have to understand, eternal life comes into your heart right here and now. Eternal life is to know Jesus Christ. Listen, that old Graham on August 3rd, 1980, I said yes to Jesus and I felt nothing. And three days later, my older brother sat with me in my parents' jacuzzi and said, do you understand what you prayed on Sunday when you prayed that sinner's prayer? And I said, well, kind of. I told Jesus I was tired of living my own life and I wanted to follow him. He goes, yeah, but do you understand? And he began to explain to me what happened in the garden and how we were lost and how God wanted to give us his righteousness, you know, and make us his own. And as he explained the gospel to me, this overwhelming joy flooded my soul and I became this madman for Jesus and I've never stopped being this madman for Jesus. And so maybe you're not like me. Maybe you're like my sons who never did drugs in their life. Maybe you were like my wife who was an honor student and a really good kid her whole life, but she needed a savior just as much as I did. And so the Bible says this, no one can come to God unless you're drawn. So I'm not going to talk you into anything here today. I promise you, I'm not going to talk you into anything. But if you recognize that God has been drawing you, I heard God in that theater and it took me a whole year to get to church. But if God has brought you to that place today and you're saying, you know what, today I'm ready. Well, I have a verse for you. It says today is the day of salvation. If you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Don't turn away from it. Say yes to it. So if that's you and you want to pray, you want to surrender your life to Jesus and say, hey, man, I'm serious about this. I want to do this. I want to follow him. I may not know everything, but I want to follow you, Jesus. Listen, my problem was I believed in the resurrection. I believed in his death, his burial, his resurrection. I believe he was the son of God. I had just never done anything with it. Maybe you've believed that too. But today's your day to do something with what you believe. So, if you're here today, or you're online today, or you're a TCI, or you're in Boardman, and you want to pray that prayer, listen, this isn't Jack and the Beanstalk, man. This isn't magic here. This is just a prayer from our hearts that we mean. And when we pray from our heart and we mean it, God is hearing every word we're praying. He's seen the surrender. And I would say once you do that, man, you're going to be on a journey that will be unbelievably amazing. It won't be perfect, but it'll be amazing. So if you're here today and you want to pray that prayer, could you just say these words with me? Just say them from your heart to God. I believe he's listening. Just say, Jesus, I call on you now. I believe in you, that you died for my sins, that you were put in a tomb, <clears throat> that three days later you rose from the dead. Jesus, take my life. I give it to you. Forgive my sins. I want to live for you. I surrender to you. Be Lord of my life from this day forward. Teach me how to follow you. Amen. And I just want to say one more thing to you. If you prayed that prayer today 
you will never be able to figure out how to do all of this on your own without help. You won't. So if you came with a friend that brought you, tell them what you did today and say, man, help me learn how to follow. If you came alone without a friend, you know what? When you walk out any one of these doors, you're going to find really awesome people who are a little further down the road at following Jesus than you are. And you know what? One of their greatest delights would be to help you learn how to follow Jesus. And they'll help you. They'll take time with you. And finally, I would highly encourage you, man, don't put it off. Don't think you're just, listen, you're ready to be baptized today. Man, sign up today. Say, hey, I want to be baptized. They do them every month here. Get baptized. It's a big deal. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc slash give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast.